Good afternoon. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry, and uh, I'm with you today on this episode of Restore Freedom Weekly uh, to bring the Constitution and the law to you, to make it accessible and understandable, to bring government to you in an accountable, accessible way. You can't uh, be we the people of the Republic this Republican form of government, right? You can't do that if you really don't know the Constitution or the law. Um, so with that being said, uh, I hope that you find some grace for our beginnings here today because uh, I didn't realize I had pressed the old intro button and um, that um, it went right on past Emma's part and on into an intro that I'm no longer using. So I apologize about that. Um, and if you <clears throat> want to comment on either the lighting changes today or the camera angle, that would be great because we have a new camera and we have uh, new lighting that uh, an expert in the field has uh, so graciously offered to help me out with and, and see if these work. But obviously, it's all a work in progress. So we would love to be able to make sure we're doing things the best way and not making it look up my nose too much or anything else that would be a little undignified. Um, so today, we are supposed to have um, uh, um, sorry, I'm going to text the person that we were supposed to have. <laughs> he's asking where he's supposed to be right now. Um, so anyway, um, Lori, I don't know if you want to send it to him again. I got your text, but maybe it didn't go through or something. All right. So, and, um, it looks like we have... Actually, Dale on Facebook, before I get too far into today, that's actually your question goes to why my special guest, well, he's not that special. No, um, why um, <laughs> why my guest is supposed to, and I'm looking at the wrong camera. I'm going to put that camera down. Okay. Um, why my guest is supposed to be hopping on and joining us today. So anyway, we're going to kind of start a little bit fresh here today, especially for any social media platforms we might uh, be re-airing this on later on. So uh, with that being said, I'm going to reintroduce myself and have us officially get started. So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Restore Freedom Weekly. I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry. Today we are going to be talking about the concept of gag orders and the constitutionality or not of those particular items. It's something that you all have heard the term about, but oftentimes people don't know exactly what it means. So we're going to talk about what it means and uh, the context within uh, court proceedings. And then we're going to look at how um, how it plays out, what the Constitution really says, what it allows, uh, what it prohibits. And uh, we're going to look at even what some of the cases and, you know, you know, guys, I just don't like uh, hanging my hat too much on cases, you know, case law. Right. But we'll touch on what some of the cases have even said about this throughout the years, uh, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And then we're going to touch on some statutes that have been uh, through the, um, um, you know, it, it part of the legal system, part of our system of government for many, many years. Um, uh, one, in fact, has been on the books, at least in Michigan, since 1846. That predates 
at least two constitutions in the state of Michigan. But uh, at any rate, let's see here. Um, where is... Uh... Okay. So hopefully our guest will be joining us because we do have somebody who on uh, Facebook today, Dale on Facebook is asking, uh, did I hear about President Trump? And quite honestly, I myself have heard, um, or I should say read, literally just the drop down notifications from the Epoch Times and you know an email or two about it. I think Rumble, I got a notification on a drop down today. Um, saying, you know, that there was some sort of live video where they're talking about uh, his, uh, his situation um, here in Florida. But with that being said, uh, since I'm not that well informed about it and didn't even read a full article about it, I'm going to bring to you the handsome, super sexy, very intelligent, but way older than me, uh, Mr. Michael Henry. What was that, Mike? I'm not hearing. Lori, are you able to hear him okay? Lori, are you hearing him? What's going yeah. on here? Okay. Lori, or Mike, can you speak up a little bit louder? I didn't catch what you said there. Oh. Maybe he, he's having issues with his sound. Yeah, it's just noisy in here, and my earbuds don't work. Can you hear us okay? Uh, just a little bit, yeah. I, I think I can manage. Okay, because uh, we can actually, I can at least hear you way better when you took the earbuds out. So, for whatever that's worth. Um, my lips are definitely not syncing up on the video feed. Uh-oh, my whole feed is frozen. Yeah, I noticed that from the beginning. Oh. I thought it might be my connection, but I don't know. Not if it's mine as well. Well, Mike, unless you have I'm some... I'm uh, synced myself, but I'm not looking at the live. I can watch the live. Oh, I'm just looking at the screen, you know, that you and I can see, Lori. Um, well, now you're not. You were a minute ago. <laughs> okay. Who knows what's going on? Okay, so the Liberty Cause has not frozen or out of sync here. So we'll just roll with it and see what we got. And hopefully I'll remember to try to look at the correct camera this time. All right, <laughs> so before we get started on today's topic of gag orders, well, hey, it may be related, who knows? Um, Mike, uh, who he only puts Mike, but uh, he um, brings the Henry to the Restore Freedom with Catherine Henry show. And uh, he often jokes that he is just known as Mr. Catherine Henry. But really, uh, Mike, my wonderful husband, can you please uh, enlighten us on uh, what exactly is going on with President Trump today? I, well, I'm on because uh, I tried to suggest uh, <laughs> something for you to bring up and you uh, thought it'd be a good idea for me to do that. So um, if, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard that uh, Trump's home in Florida at Mar-a-Lago was raided by FBI um, yesterday. At least that's when I saw, saw the first news of this was last night. And um, it, 
they claim it's over uh, some presidential documents, some, some documents that they're, they're saying were supposed to be left at the White House, but um, there's uh, some, I don't know, there's, it sounds like there's reason to believe that that's a lie. So, but we all know what, what's really going on here. Uh, this isn't the first FBI raid uh, recently on uh, so-called political enemies. Um, I, I would really encourage uh, anyone watching to, uh, to do some research and look, look up this raid on, on Trump's home. And we need to get to the bottom of this and figure out what's going on. And uh, I, in my opinion, we, we know what's going on. This, this is, just needs to be put to an end. This is uh, abusive powers. All right. So were there any other details that you thought, uh, assume that everybody has been living under a rock and uh, they haven't had a chance to dig into the news yet today. Is there anything about this um, specifics that you might have heard about? Um, did you say, are they still there or how long this was or how many showed up? Well, I don't know if they're still there. I imagine they're probably still there. There was, uh, I heard there was 30 agents. Um, I heard there was many black SUVs filling up the, uh, some kind of roundabout parking lot or parking or driveway there. I heard they rented a, a uh, type of U-Haul truck to uh, have armed agents inside and they, you know, so they could all get out from this truck when they got there. Um, and I heard that they have been working with FBI on trying to sort out all these documents that they're claiming that are, that Trump has or in his possession. And they've been doing that through Trump's attorneys and it's all been peaceful until this raid that was all of a sudden and uh, far more aggressive than any uh, any communication or any uh, actions that have been taken place before. So. I, I just reading the words really makes it sink in. We have people on, um, uh, on YouTube commenting about this as well as others on Facebook saying the same thing that they, they broke into his private safe. They broke into his private safe and found nothing. Um, I just, you know, we each as citizens, have that right to unreasonable searches and seizures. And I want to know exactly in plain, simple language, how they think that is not a fourth amendment violation. I mean, it, it's disgusting. Um, and at, at the least, I think yeah. they don't, they don't think about the fourth amendment though, because they have been getting away with it. Um, not every single one of them. I think we should be clear. Um, it does seem like a majority lately because we've been surrounded by it, but I don't think every single law enforcement officer is like this. But um, if, if we look back, they, they've been, due process has been missing. Um, they, they have parts, you know, they follow it to a, to an, a certain extent, but when they really want to go after somebody, they don't care about due process.
they just do whatever they can to get you on whatever they want to get you on. Right. I, yeah, well, I'm not going to, I could be a whole nother, we'll do a whole show about the Fourth Amendment at some point uh, soon, but we have a lot of picks as well. And uh, the one we're talking about today is very timely. Um, so uh, I, I think that it's very telling that I think that it's telling that uh, Trump has been talking about this. The Trump, the his sons have been talking about this. And when there's a, a raid like this, the first thing your attorney would tell you is to just stay quiet. Well, they're not being quiet. And it seems to me the reason is because they don't have anything to hide. That, that seems to make sense. And I, I don't believe they do have anything to hide. I think this is a, a political witch hunt. Exactly. Um, oh, so I, I see this comment I wanted to share, but this is an interesting one I just noticed as well. Um, I didn't think I had missed any, but uh, anyway, um, very interesting. Uh, it is something that I, yeah, I think the, um, um, the governor and the sheriff down there definitely could be doing something and should be doing something. And where are they? I mean, maybe they're involved, maybe they're doing what they can and they're getting, you know, a bunch of literal pushback, but. Uh, well, DeSantis is involved. He has, he has made public statements. I haven't heard what it is yet, but it's, um, it's out there. Okay. I was well, going to say though, can't the sheriff um, boot, I mean, the feds don't have authority in a county unless the sheriff gives them the authority to be there, right? I mean, I mean, it's kind of the short explanation. We need to of actually it, dive into that whole topic. Um, so, hey, Lori, if you have that spreadsheet open, you should put that very topic <laughs> on there so we can remember to. I want to dive into it and really do it right. Um, and yeah, some of sure. these things, I know, you know the surface on the top of my head uh, to be able to answer some of that stuff. But I really want to make sure that I am combing through the constitution front and back to make sure that I'm answering those kinds of things correctly. So um, leave it to Lori to stump me live and not bring it up <laughs> earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, let's see here. So we're going to get back to our main topic about gag orders. I was just trying to think if there's anything, um, uh, I guess, Mike, are you able to um, just, you know, stick around, throw yourself on mute if you needed to, and um, jump in on the topic of the the gig orders or the documents specifically from this case? Um, if you think of something that you wanted to share, I can I can be around, but I'm gonna uh, get off video. I gotta go get something to eat. Oh, you don't want to eat on camera? Oh. Okay, well, yeah, you could turn your camera part off. And Food is overrated. <laughs> I haven't eaten yet today. I didn't even have a shake yet, so. I know, exactly. Um, so if you hear a <laughs> there's no bear. It's just my stomach. Um, but, hey, Mike, I think if you're able to, um, yeah, you could turn off your camera and then, well, I guess mute yourself, and then when you're ready to talk, just turn your mute back on or your camera. I'd prefer if you had your camera, so. Um, All righty. 
All right. Thanks, babe. Love you. Yep. Love you too. Bye. Um, and uh, wait a minute, Dwayne on Facebook. I know you. I know where you live. Don't give me too hard of a time. Lori definitely keeps me on my toes, but <laughs> sometimes I'm not that good to keep up. <laughs> so, all right. Um, okay, let's see. Um, back to today's topic. Now that I'm got my wherewithal about me, uh, and I wanted to share this screen with you guys so we can. Um, Okay. All right. So for today's topic, um, and I'm going to, I guess, go ahead and find that original comment I had highlighted there. Okay. Lori, if you see anything um, that you think is, is good to have us throw up there as comments, uh, I'm, while I'm talking about the stuff, I'm not necessarily going to be watching the comment thread as closely. So feel free to sure. hit the show button. Okay. So um, back to today's topic, specifically about gag orders. Um, and for those of you who like to play along, so to speak, there is a, uh, we do our true or false uh, Tuesday. We do our, our post uh, poll on all the social media platforms that allow polls. I can't all, but I want to say it's like, you know, seven different platforms. Maybe we have Truth Social and, um, uh, Telegram, YouTube, um, I can't even think of the other ones right now, but um, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, and uh, one or two other ones. But anyway, um, unfortunately, Facebook took polls away. I'm not sure when or why, but yeah, whatever. At any rate, um, we put out every Tuesday. We try to do it right at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we're ironing out some kinks now and trying out some new software soon to uh, make that process a little bit more slick. But at any rate, we uh, do our best to post the question at uh, noon or excuse me, at 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays before the show and then post the answer at 10 o'clock at night. So it gives a full 12 hours for people to be able to go on there and answer. So if you want to cheat, I guess, uh, as it may be, uh, figure out what today's answer is by listening to this episode and then go ahead and answer the poll and, and answer it on all those social media channels. And then, you know, you'll be the uh, knowledgeable constitution rock star, right? So at any rate, uh, oftentimes we get so used to, uh, we get accustomed to the government telling us what we can and cannot do, especially in the court system, right? We saw, for example, the Michigan legislature that, uh, you know, and there's specific legislators that come to mind that claim to be those ones that were fighting for our freedom and they want to be reelected. Uh, they, <laughs> they were um, in office already. They had the platform, right? They, they were already office holders. And yet they were choosing to act like they needed to bring a lawsuit against the governor in order to stop her unconstitutional EOs when none of them did what they could have simply done right from day one, stood on the steps of the Capitol along with me, Ryan Kelly, uh, Kristen Megan, um, you know, Adam Heikkila, uh, Chris Shornak, um, and other people that I'm totally forgetting and I'm sorry. But anyway, they could have stood there right with us on the steps of the Capitol and said 
with that microphone, and you know every single news media station would have picked it up nationwide, quite frankly, at that point. Uh, and they could have said, listen, as your state rep or as your state senator, I am telling you that um, this is not constitutional. And you don't have to follow unconstitutional edicts. You don't have to follow unconstitutional orders. And yeah, we'll file uh, lawsuits to get things put into place in the you know, procedural or technical sense to stop her, but you don't have to do that. And, and they could have made a, a specific call to action, look right into the eyes of every single law enforcement officer in the state and said, and I call on you, sheriff's deputies and officers and campus security and whoever else out there is in that law enforcement type of role. I call on you to enforce the supreme law of the land, the constitution, and not these illegal and unconstitutional orders. If you try to enforce these orders, you will be stepping far outside of the bounds of your authority and violating and trampling upon the very constitution that you swore an oath to uphold. They could have done that. But what to say? They cowered behind the institution and said, oh, well, you know, we can make the laws, but that's all we could do. And so we have to file a lawsuit against uh, the governor and wait for the court to tell us what's lawful and what's constitutional. How ironic is that? The legislature publicly repeatedly said, we have to wait for the court. We have to wait for the judicial branch to tell us, the legislative branch, what our laws say. Uh, I don't know about you, but that sounds stupid to me. Well, since they're the writer of laws, that, that sounds, ex yeah. Exactly. Which it didn't fully connect to me until I was saying it out loud. And I'm like, that's a facepalm moment right there. <laughs> but that's how we're, it's ingrained in us to think that way, that we have to wait for a court's permission. Let me think about this way. How many of you have heard of Matt DiPerno at this point? He's the Republican nominee for Michigan Attorney General. Um, anybody and everybody who's listening, watching, you know, let me know live in the comments here um, that, you know, whether you've heard of Matt DiPerno. If you have, let me ask you, how long you have heard about him. So did you know of him at the end of 2020 when he started to do some work? Well, let me tell you, I heard about, Patty's raising her hand that she has heard of him. I heard about Matt DiPerno, actually Mike, my husband, found out about Matt DiPerno on, um, oh, I just realized Mike left the whole dang thing. He said he was going to stay on. Yeah, he, he, te he texted me. He was having some technical issues, so it, he can't hear what's going on. So he's listening to the show, I believe. He just can't be in StreamYard and listen to the show at the same time. Okay, sounds good. I guess he'll have to jump in if he's ready to say something or whatever. But yeah. all right. So um, dang, that threw me off. Where? Where was it? Oh, oh, Dwayne, you voted for him. Dwayne, are you saying you voted for him at the uh, April convention? Just wondering about that. Kimberly says she didn't know about him until Trump endorsed him. Um, well, 
All right, well, Dwayne. He's getting oh. popularity with Nestle bashing him. Oh, and he sent me <laughs> four freaking emails just yesterday alone. Oh, Nestle's trying to arrest me. Shut up, Matt. I don't need your damn emails. I tried to unsubscribe. I'm going to try again. But four in one day about the same thing? Really, dude? That's overkill. Don't be a politician. But anyway. Um, all right, Dwayne. This is to both you and Michelle then. Well, no. This is to everybody. So Matt and I had a conversation that uh, actually I've been trying to have a follow-up conversation with him about this now that he's the well, when he was running to get the Republican nomination. But then as he moved into, um, you know, having that nomination out of the uh, April Republican convention. Uh, so, you know, I, I wanted to have this conversation with him privately at first, but he's apparently way too cool to ever return a call or a text. Um, so we're just going to talk about it right here. The thing that concerned me the most, I would say, about Matt running for office is that there was a gag order. He had a gag order placed on him by the judge in circuit court in um, Antrim County when he was filing his lawsuit uh, in order to try to get those, um, I'm losing all my words. What are they? Uh, the, um, help me out, Lori. The the um tabulator stuff yeah the uh oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. and, we're too in sync i'm i'm just out of whack too <laughs> like uh, uh, the research the, yeah he was I'll, I'll say stuff. until we get one but uh, yeah he was he was he was trying to investigate the results uh wanted to have a forensic um i'm almost there forensic audit maybe is that right i think a review forensic audit or review i guess they're kind yeah. of he wanted to have <laughs> an independent forensic audit done per the constitution of the um of the tabulator machines and whatever else to be able to figure out what's going on so he filed that lawsuit i want to say late november i want to say three weeks section he filed that in um, late november 2020 by i want to say it was mid-december maybe somewhere around December 14th, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, anyway, uh, my husband found him online, found out about this lawsuit, saw him on Twitter, um, said, hey, I think you should check this guy out. I happen to see one post he had made about something. Um, I think he might've even been talking about the gag order, but he was saying something about having the results of the act, uh, being able to publicly share them yet. So, uh, all I did is I sent him, I don't know if I, I don't think I could have sent him a personal message on Twitter because he had that part shut off or something because we weren't connected on Twitter. But I just commented on one of his posts on Twitter and I said, hey, um, you know, make sure that you remember to use, oh, and I'm going to mute. Um, I know what year it was enacted, but I can't think of what the uh, statute number is. Dang it uh give me a second guys i am not doing well today i am blanking on all of my all my knowledge is going um I threw okay you off you and now you're completely off kilter <laughs> yeah mcl 600.1420 is the statute in michigan that's been enacted since 1846 yes 1846 so it's been around longer than at least two of Michigan's constitutions, if not longer than that. At any rate, um, 
well, and I'm going to get, I guess, let me do this. I'm going to remove this for a minute. Okay. So I brought us back here because I realized I'm not going over the document yet. So I'll share it with you guys in a minute. You can pull it up on your own. We have the, the link to the PDF uh, in the description of the video. There's three PDFs that we'll go over today and I'll explain them in, in, in a minute. <laughs> Dwayne, uh, you're, uh, I'm giving you a hard time because you're a good friend, but um, I, I do want to tell you this important note about, um, about him. And I hope somebody can convey this message to him and have some real discussions and find out where he's at today on this issue because it's important. So at any rate, um, sent him, you know, like a, a reply on his on one of his tweets and said, hey, you know, don't forget about MCL 600.1420 because that requires all hearings in the state of Michigan to be open to the public period. There's three very rare exceptions. None of them applied in that case, and um, nor did anybody claim that they applied. So the judge can't keep the public out of those hearings. And and he said, uh, he actually sent me a direct message on Twitter, because apparently I couldn't send him one, but he could send me one. And he said, hey, here's my cell phone number. Uh, can you please call me right away? Like he saw my post and he wanted me to call him right away. So it was like 10 o'clock. I did. We had like an hour and a half long conversation about, um, about the case, about the law, about the constitution. Here's the thing. And I, and he was, uh, he was trying to bring tr truth to the people. So don't get me wrong. I, I'm not judging him. I'm, I'm not saying at the, up to this point, he has done anything wrong. This is my concern though, is that we get to the point in the conversation where he tells me, okay, listen, I have, this is Matt DiPerno talking. I have the, the results to this audit and um, the judge has ordered me uh, under a gag order to not introduce this or not uh, release it to the public. The judge has said, I cannot release these, these audit results to the public, but he simultaneously has ordered me to turn it over not only to the named defendant, which I want to say was the county clerk in the case, um, township clerk maybe, but anyway, the local elections officials. But he said the judge ordered me to turn this audit information over to the, um, uh, I want to say he said the Secretary of State and the Michigan Attorney General who at least as of then was not a party to the case and uh, it, do so this was, I want to say like maybe on a Saturday and he was supposed to turn everything over by Sunday or Monday. Um, and the order had come out, I want to say like Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. So the judge was expecting him to have this super quick turnaround uh, to turn over these, uh, these files essentially. Um, and mind you, they're, they're, computer files, right? It's not something you just print off. I mean, yeah, you can end up printing off the data, especially as it's analyzed, whatever, but the files as they exist um, are computer files that are so big that, I mean, I called my dad to say, hey, if you have a file this big, how can there some options for getting it out there? Because you can't email it to anybody. Um, you know, what are some ways that he could even send it as it's you know, being required to be sent. So at any, at any rate, um, um, so <laughs> he said to me, 
Um, I, so he said the judge ordered me to not share it with the public, but did order me to share it with all these specific government agencies. And I said, okay, but ordering you to not share it with the public is especially, I mean, you're, you're in your private capacity, right? You know, you're not serving in a governmental position. Um, you know, you're not representing any government entity in this case. So you represent a private party, the plaintiff in this case, uh, that's totally unconstitutional and illegal for the judge to do that. He responded to me, and this is the bright red letters. He responded to me, but you have to follow an unconstitutional order until the higher court tells you you don't have to those are the words from matt DePerno, michigan's republican nominee for attorney general i'm going to repeat that he said to me you have to and this is in his capacity representing a client he's supposed to zealously advocate for his client and he said that even though he agreed with me that the the judge's order the gag order put in place against him so they could not share at the time they could not share the audit results of the tabulators and all that even though he agreed that that order was illegal and unconstitutional matt Tiperno said to me but you have to follow uncons blatantly unconstitutional court orders until a higher court tells you you don't have to follow them. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like I want to have a pause on that moment. And okay, we have BS. So Dwayne, I would love to hear what the BS is. I'm not sure if you're saying calling BS on what I'm telling you, he said, or calling BS on what his statement was. I think I think he was referring to the statement based on the timing of his comment. Um, but I the the I think that is deep rooted in us that we have to wait for the courts because it's something they say on TV shows. It's something they say on the news often, especially the news when they're reporting something. Well, we have to wait and hear what the court says. Now, that doesn't excuse Matt being an attorney. He should know better of all people. But it, it makes sense that, for lack of a better word, the indoctrination on our nation is that we have to wait for the courts. I, I was talking to you about books I was looking at um, for paralegal stuff just to pick up basic stuff. And the first thing they were saying is is the courts. It's it's case precedents. What they're calling case law um, is, is priority over the Constitution. So that mentality is even there in, in the training of these legal professionals as well. And then so there's that combination of what we're being taught in school, in general, just general education, from our news that we're supposed to trust that we don't trust, but we still listen to. And then, you know, legal education is also 
teaching that. And, and I've, I've looked into that history a little bit, not enough to, to speak about it, but I understand where it came from. And, and that mentality came from, and, and people just stick with it without thinking for themselves. Well, Dwayne, I thank you for your comments, and uh, I always love to have um, just have you throw, throw you right on in as a, as a guest with video and everything in one of our upcoming shows. Um, but uh, Dwayne, I'd love, I know a lot of people in the freedom movement in Michigan respect you, so maybe you can have a conversation with Matt DiPerno about that and see where he stands on that issue. Um, and uh, shoot, you put up one, I was just going to put up uh, somebody else. Thank you for, for joining us, Dwayne. I see that you have to head out um, for another thing you got going on. Um, and maybe this will get back to that, but we'll come back to Patty's Facebook comment in a second. What I wanted to do is show this one real quick, if it's going to let me, maybe it's saying, no, Lori got to pick. Um, nope, it's not going to show either one. Dang it. What is it doing? Okay, there we go. Okay, so this was somebody's comment. And uh, now, you know, it's it's a comment on a live video feed. So perhaps I'm being a little too, but there's no punctuation so my concern how i read this is well we have this case precedent that tells us that it's unconstitutional for these gag orders to be put in place now what i'm going to say to you is the constitution exists wholly separate from any cases that are there interpreting the constitution in fact, there is no interpretation allowed where the Constitution is point blank, straightforward, easy to understand, simple language. There's nothing to interpret. There's no further explanation needed on it. So I'm hoping what this post really means is, well, we case from, I don't remember, I wanna say that's the 1800s. I've quoted it in my briefs before but it's been a while since I've I've read it and, and everything. But anyway, the, the Norton versus Shelby County case is a case that came out, you know, many years ago. But 1886, I looked up. Ah, see, I was pretty <laughs> smart on that. I was thinking 1890, but yeah, 1886, that's close enough. So that case, the, the value in that case is just to um, serve as a reminder that it's unconstitutional for things like this, not to tell us in the first instance, oh, hey, this is unconstitutional because the constitution exists in and of itself. And um, hopefully that makes sense. So then you had this other one. Um, okay, good. Uh, before I jump to, oh, see you and I must be clicking them at the same, at the same time. <laughs> Um, I'll, let, so, I'll let you click. No, no, no. You could do it. Normally I'm not. I just happened to catch this <laughs> that he followed up. Um, <laughs> it's just the rare instance that we're literally doing it at the exact same time. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, the person with that uh, pointed out that um, his point is that his or her point is that it doesn't need to be declared unconstitutional. It already is. That's what I would was being was there is that basically this case is just serving as a reminder uh, that something if something is unconstitutional sometimes we just need the reminder but it doesn't need to wait for a court to tell us 
So with that being said, uh, I gave you an example. Uh, so by way of that example, I also defined what it is. But just for those of you who maybe were only hearing bits and pieces, a gag order is where, um, at least in this context, you know, I'm talking about something where basically a judge is ordering you to not disclose information to anyone, certainly not out into the public. Uh, sometimes there's a period of time that that gag order is in place, specifically worded in the order. Sometimes it's just left open-ended. Um, now, the other side to that, so for example, today's question, uh, let's see if I could pull it up quickly enough here. Um, maybe, maybe not. Okay. So today's question uh, for our true or false question of the day was uh, gag orders. Gag orders are unconstitutional aside from the rare exception, question mark. And your options were true. Gag orders are unconstitutional or false. Judges can prevent people from what happens in court hearings and trials. Now, we know that judges do that, but are they allowed to do that? That's the question we're talking about today. So with that being said, um, I want to go over what you know, what are some of the things that go into this? Because is there something in the Constitution that talks about gag orders, like directly, explicitly? Well, no. Uh, there's a lot of things that aren't specifically, you know, our founders didn't take um, a sheet of paper and uh, quill and just start writing out every single thing that government should always be prevented from doing and and say, well, if it's not listed, then go for it. No, that's not the case at all. Um, it's quite the opposite. If the government is not given a specific authority within the Constitution to take a particular action, then it cannot take that action. Whereas we, the people, look at the Ninth Amendment, look at the Tenth Amendment, we are in the Ninth Amendment, we are keeping all of our unenumerated rights. Our rights are given to us by God anyway, not the government. And in the Tenth Amendment, anything that we are not specifically, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot think of wording today. My words are leaving me like, if never the authority before. isn't specifically granted, is that where you're trying to go? Um, yeah, delegated word. Any powers that are not that we don't specifically delegate, meaning we have power. We have all the power. We have all the authority. We have rights. Government doesn't have rights. Do government doesn't have any in inherent authority or powers. Keep that in mind when you're thinking about Romans 13. Um, but in our system of government, in our Republican form of government, the only powers that the federal government has are ones that we have specifically delegated to it. Look at the wording of the 10th Amendment. Then we are, you know, allowing in the 10th Amendment, it's essentially saying, well, there are all these other powers. We are either keeping 
things ourselves, or we are tur turning around and delegating some of what remains to the state governments. The government doesn't inherently have any power. We have to give it power. So I think, I think a visual example could be parents versus teenagers. Um, most parents when their kids are in the teenage years, they usually have a set of chores that need to be done for the household to function. And we realize living in this society that there are some chores that need to be done for our society to function on a regular basis. So we as the parents are delegating specific authority. Um, child A is always gonna be bringing out the garbage every Monday. You know, while child B is always going to be making sure the dishwasher is loaded, done, and emptied, you know, that kind of stuff. If, if people can visually um, put that in their mind that we are the parents and they are our teenage kids, um, that that's the kind of authority. The moment we start letting government tell us what to do, it's, it's as if we're letting the teenager tell us how the household is going to run. Exactly. And uh, I love this one. My computer is totally lagging, so we'll see. Um, delegation is a temporary loan of power. That is correct. We are loaning powers. We are not permanently giving the government any powers. It's still a government of we, the people. So, um, all right. So now I'm going to get back to... Uh, what we we're talking about here. So, um, well, let me shoot. Do I have an example? I do. I'm going to read to you. Um, yeah, because I don't think I have any. Shoot. Don't think I have any available right this second <clears throat> that I could just show you by way of um, screen share, but let me pull up the exact wording and share it with you that way. Okay. So in my case, the Allegan County election day trespass case that has now been dismissed over a month ago, it was dismissed July 7th. Um, every single time that we had a hearing uh, until July 7th, just recently, the public was never allowed in. Never. There were two hearings, at least two, maybe a third, but anyway, at least two hearings that I was physically allowed in, but no one else, not even an attorney, was allowed in the courtroom with me. And um, the judge said, well, it's, you know, when I said, because it's not open, this hearing isn't open to the public, I would request that I get a copy of the, the video recording from today. And the judge said, he corrected me and he said, well, of course this hearing is open to the public. You know, we're, we're um, you know, we're broadcasting it live on our YouTube channel. Uh, so at any rate, the thing is they delete it right off their YouTube. He was deleting the videos of my hearings immediately as soon as the hearing was done. So I'm not sure how that could really can be considered to be open to the public. But also uh, in order for me to then, because they were deleted and because no one was allowed in there and media was not allowed in there, 
because the public was not allowed to see what was happening, uh, I requested copies of the videos, of the DVDs. I was charged $20 for copies of each hearing so I could get a copy of these DVDs. And um, I explicitly put on each of these that I wanted these for the purpose. You have to put what purpose? You have to tell them a reason for your request, which you should never airing. Um, but I said, uh, for preparation of my case and for educating the public, because I'd been doing hundreds of these educational videos by the time this had happened. So, um, anyway, for each of these, the judge approved my request to get the copy of the DVD, but in so doing, he had that I don't know if it's him or just somebody else in that district court, but somebody in that courthouse drafted this form that is pre-printed to have it granted or denied. It should never be denied. But if it's granted, it's pre-printed with three check boxes for different um, limitations, right? So it's approved. The copies approved herein shall not be, in capital letters and underlined, shall not be copied, um, copied or reproduced in any form. That's number one. Number two, released to anyone other than the requesting individual. Number three, published or posted on any form of electronic or social media, including but not limited to intranet and internet forums, web blogs, uh, photo blogs, online web communities, listservs, internet diaries, instant messaging, text messaging, podcasts, amateur video sites, and all web postings, such as those in chat rooms, on bulletin boards, websites, or web pages, wikis, public shared email, online compilations of photographs or videos and links to any of the foregoing items are also prohibited. That's pretty dang specific, saying that I'm not ever allowed to share these videos of these public hearings with any other human being ever. That's a gag order. So it was, of course, one of the many things that I was fighting uh, in my interlocutory appeals that I had filed, of course, that uh, the Court of Appeals never bothered deciding on the merits. Um, but it's something that I brought back up in my motions um, that I filed in front of the same judge in May of this year. And it's one of the hearings that was supposed to be heard on June 2nd but that he moved to July 7th. Now, July 7th, for those of you that were either there that day or saw it later, you know, saw, saw it, I shouldn't say later, because there was no later, saw it live online. The, um, sorry, my computer is having fun. Okay. For those of you who saw the video live or were there that day, you know that uh, once the judge, he was particular about which, of my motions, I had several. He was particular about which of my motions he was going to hear first. And he heard the one about trespassing, then dismissed the case for the trespass case. Then he went to the my motion to dismiss the disturbing the, the peace complaint. 
that charge. So then once both the charges were dismissed, he said, well, that's it. You know, I'm not going to hear any more of your motions. And I, you know, at the time said, well, at the very least, your honor, um, I do need to make sure, um, you know, that I'm getting my, um, I can't even think my uh, arrest record and my fingerprints and any biometric data, whatever, that that's going to be, um, you know, <clears throat> properly removed from the system and that my personal identifying information is also going to be redacted um, in accordance with the court rules and uh, Michigan Supreme Court directives, et cetera. So, and he said, yeah, okay, go ahead. All right, so from that point though, he was making it clear he was not going to hear any of my other motions, which were still pending before him. So there was no decision made on those. So essentially, I renewed my request as to that issue, as to the gag orders on my DVDs. Um, and I filed that last week. One of the documents is one of the original motions and briefs, supporting legal briefs, that talked about open hearings in general and different pieces to that, that we have the right to have open hearings in general, that we have the right, uh, there's, there's a constitutional requirement, let alone a, a statutory or legal requirement to um, have hearings, court proceedings open to the public. Um, all across the country, the constitution requires that. So I talk about that and then I talk specifics and the last part that I talked about, I think it was the last part, was specifically, um, you know, sharing it, having media and the public being able to, you know, share video and, you know, transcripts and, and show what's happening in this court proceeding and why it's so important. So um, I also gave you another one of the documents was the most recent motion I filed and the proposed order. And uh, I filed it as an ex parte order because the whole the requests to get the videos are done ex parte. Anyway, you shouldn't even have to file a request to get a judge's permission to get the video. But anyway, um, so I I asked um, in this ex parte order for clarification and fully expecting that the procedures, you know, would be followed where essentially reviews it and um, he signs the order um, providing that I will have um, these unrestricted copies of these DVDs, that I could share them with the public, that I could use them for uh, future legal proceedings, etc. Well, um, he didn't sign it. And uh, I was told that he granted my newest request that was sent at the same time for uh, the DVD of the July 7th hearing, but that he, um, instead of granting my motion, my ex parte motion to be able to share these videos with the public as they're required to you know, be able to do, um, the judge said instead that he was gonna set my request for a hearing and no one yesterday at the court would tell me when the hearing would be. Today, I finally got the notice of hearing. That is the uh, motion hearing. Um, 
third document, excuse me, uh, that PDF that I've shared with you in today's description of the video. Um, at least it's one of the three, right? It's the third I'm describing. Um, and that's my notice to appear. And um, let's see. Man, my computer is just having a hard time. So he's doing it by Zoom uh, to have this ex parte motion for clarification of records. Of course, I'm going to have to request another DVD for $20 for a copy of the hearing on this Are motion. Are you able to make that any bigger? Yes, I can. Give me a second here. Right, I got to make this window smaller. Make that one bigger. Okay. So, is it big enough? Okay. Yeah. So this is this is the notice of hearing that I had just received. Um, that it's by Zoom, of course. Um, that's a whole other story, and it's set for Thursday, September first at eleven a.m. So I hope all of you are going to tune in that Thursday. Uh, there's a Zoom link, um, or no, that one, the public would have the YouTube link. Um, and uh, I'm assuming the amazing Lori is going to get this on our online calendar. So you'll be able to see what it is and have the link right in the description. So you can just click that out of the calendar that's on our website and um, watch that day. I really hope that your point is the public needs to have their eye on our judicial system. Big time. At any rate, getting back to some of the, the, the main comments or the main um, discussions here, I guess. Let's see, is it big enough? Oh, that one went a little too much. Uh, okay, there we go. Okay, so. Um, I, I first pointed out to the court, this is, this is the motion. This is the one where I said, Hey, listen, I already filed a legal brief on this issue. I fully briefed the constitutionality and illegality of doing this. Um, these are just the highlights I wanted to, um, you know, remind you of court, um, when it comes to, um, I, this ex parte order should be signed that allows me to share the dvds of these court hearings and to re to to repeat that just so you know i'm asking that the court allow me to have you know i i have the copies of most I, I, there's still one now there will be two dvds that i still have to get yet but um other than that i have the copies of the dvds of all the other hearings i already have them in my possession but the court has said, I'm not allowed to share them with any other human being. So my request is, hey, I do these educational videos, number one. Uh, number two, the general right of the public to know what happens in court proceedings requires that these be shared. And number three, I have future litigation and I have um, groups of people, uh, teams of people that need to sit down and be, and be able to meet and discuss view these videos, discuss what's going on, discuss what our next moves are going to be for future litigation. So this is needed. Um, so anyway, um, this is just the 
the highlights, right, that I want you to use, whether you're the next Matt DiPerno in a case where, you know, you're just trying to work on a, a generally, you know, a public interest case, uh, such as election um, audits, or whether you are, you know, in more of a local, uh, a localized topic, you're in some sort of case um, about, you know, zoning or, um, you know, other kind of government regulation, and a judge is ordering you to not share information that has been disclosed during the public hearings, or uh, there is a court such as, uh, I don't know if they're still doing it, but as of last year, at least the courts around here, were still doing all their hearings by Zoom and Zoom alone, and we're denying ADA of them in person because they're stupid. S-T-U-P-I-D, which is what I called the prosecutor that day in Allegan County. But anyway, um, they are stupid for denying that because now they're explicitly violating federal law, but they're also violating the Constitution. They don't, <laughs> they claim, you know, think about it. The people that advocate for um, gun control are the ones that are saying, oh, well, you have to look at the Second Amendment only protects the weapons and things that people would have had then. You can't, it doesn't, you know, um, even though it doesn't spell out the word like muskets or anything, that's what the argument has been, right? Oh, well, the Second Amendment only applies to things like muskets because that's the only technology that existed back then. Yet, these are the same dorks that are turning around and arguing in support of things like, oh, well, sure, court hearings can be done by Zoom. And yeah, that still means it's public because, you know, we have this technology. Guess what, guys? In the 1700s, there was no Zoom. There was no YouTube. So in order to make a hearing actually open to the public, the public had to physically be allowed in the courtroom and the proceedings had to be in the courtroom and the parties had to all be in the courtroom, not appearing by some technology methods. They want their cake and eat it too, and it doesn't work that way. So, um, Mayo, um, this one might throw you for a loop, but um, you talk about having cases open to the public, but there is limited seating. Um, is that we think about like open meetings when they have a meeting in a small room, but more people show up. Is that a thing the judicial system should be doing is making arrangements for the bigger audience when there is a bigger audience? Okay, I wasn't going to cover that, that point in <laughs> this, but um, I did cover that point in the... Um, So, okay, so if you go to my website, the resources, and you go to case documents and Allegan case documents, if you look at my procedural due process appeals brief, you're going to see the full argument that I submitted talking about, um, you know, the, the whole concept of courts trying to limit the amount of people that can be in the courtroom uh, I, I went through that in very large detail, very fine detail, I guess I should say. Um, so that brief, that legal brief is available on my website. Again, the resources tab, uh, case documents, case documents, and then uh, look for uh, the 
uh, it's like the second half. It's talking about the procedural due process um, appeal, the application or brief that I filed to the court of appeals. You'll see that argument there. You can look at the table of contents uh, and see where we were talking about open hearings and the limits on uh, how many people can be in the courtroom. And you can read that whole argument that I flushed out there. So, um, all right. So what I did have for you in today's documents, and this is in the motion and brief that I filed in May. That's one of the documents I shared again with you today. Uh, there's a section on page 17 of that brief um, where I'm addressing the 10 person limit. So I'm just gonna read what's there, it's just a paragraph. Despite policies that the courts might have otherwise, proceedings, court proceedings cannot be limited to only 10 people as public access to proceedings cannot be as to render the openness negligible. Now that's a quote that I pulled from another case um, earlier in the brief, but just repeated that part of it there. Um, in a criminal proceeding, there would be a judge, a court reporter, a prosecutor, a defendant, defense counsel, and a deputy at the minimum. That's six people. So that only leaves four or less spots open for the public, which is a negligible openness for any non-trial proceeding. In a misdemeanor, when you have a jury trial, that's at least six plus an alternate. So that would bring it to a minimum of 13 people for a trial, plus any witnesses. So you're already far greater than that 10 people before even allowing the public in the courtroom. And so this is addressing Lori's question because um, the courts have been trying, you know, since COVID, they've been trying to limit how many people can be in a courtroom. It is foreseeable that a trial court might think that these, um, you know, requests that I was making to the court to have, uh, you know, the court fully open to the public, that that might be difficult to implement when they're so worried about all the COVID regulations. However, even if, and this is a quote from a, uh, let's see, this is right out of the Michigan Judicial Institute, so the Michigan Supreme Court, their, their branch that educates the judges. They have a public right to access remote hearings, legal analysis that was uh, published and updated in July of 2020. Um, and it cited a U.S. Supreme Court from 1980, so applies all over the country, right? Case precedent. Anyway, um, so this is this is the site here that even if all of the alternatives admittedly present difficulties for alternatives to allowing people just to be in the courtroom, uh, even if all of the alternatives admittedly present difficulties for trial courts, none are beyond the realm of the manageable. Absent an overriding interest articulated in court findings, the trial of a criminal case must be open to the public. And it's not just the trial, it's the other proceedings as well. Um, because a lot happens 
in the pretrial hearings and proceedings that controls how the trial is going to function and the public needs to see what all goes into that. Um, and uh, I also had something else in the footnote here that since generally expense, this is a quote, expense is not a justification for a constitutional shortcut. That's the Michigan Supreme Court in 2020 saying that. Certainly expense, and this is another quote from the same case, expense is not a sufficient reason for sacrificing face-to-face -face testimony. Uh, and that was the Iowa Supreme Court case from 2014 that the Michigan Supreme Court was quoting in 2020. So anyway, that is an answer to Lori's question that she posed as Dwayne's keeping me on my toes, but uh, I guess I have those toes uh, poised and ready to go. Um, but some of the other things I wanted to highlight really quick about uh, this concept of gag orders and what the court is allowed to do or not do. And generally speaking, this applies to any kind of government action, any kind of public bodies that meet, although there are different specific laws, generally something called the Open Meetings Act um, or something of that nature, uh, Sunshine and Government or something like that, I think is the, the Florida um, version of the Open Meetings Act. Um, at, at any rate, there's each state has something akin to that. There's a federal version. We talked about those um, maybe a month or two ago in a different way. So this is specific to courts, right? So it's talking about gag orders. Um, and so um, this is from a uh, Michigan Supreme Court case from 1985. So it's been around a long time. Uh, funny to me, it's Midland Publishing Company uh, versus District Court Judge. The reason why it's funny to me is because um, my dad and my stepmom are from Midland and uh, I was living in Midland and opened my very first law firm that I opened myself uh, in Midland, Michigan, and uh, definitely was in front of the uh, District Court Judges in Midland who would have been involved in this kind of case. But anyway, so uh, this is from the Michigan Supreme Court in 1985. And again, other states have very similar wording uh, from their own Supreme Court cases. But the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution guarantees, the First Amendment guarantees of freedom of speech and of the press protect a right of act places traditionally open to the public, such as trials. Wait a minute. So the Michigan Supreme Court many, many years ago is, is acknowledging that the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is specifically protecting, so the right of speech, your right to free speech, your right of the press, though to in the press to publicize information, right? Um, that those rights um, protect the right of people to go to court proceedings. And specifically here, uh, the cases are talking about that traditionally the courts uh, have been open to the public. So it's not something that's just new that we're fighting about. This is something that's been commonplace because it's inherent in our way of government. Okay. Um, so then, um, Another point to consider, a judicially imposed, a judge 
issuing an, a gag order. A judicially imposed gag order is a prior restraint. It's talking about First Amendment and your right to free speech or uh, freedom of the press. When you have an order that stops you from speaking about something before you've even done anything, that is a prior restraint. So a, a, a judge issuing a gag order like the one I read to you earlier or the one we talked about in Matt's case, that is a prior restraint on your free speech and is therefore subject to the strictest scrutiny by the courts when they're looking at these issues. The publicity of trials, the open forum of public trials, plays a very important role in ensuring and preventing abuse. It's serving as a natural check um, on the unjust prosecution and abuse of judicial power. And um, that comes out of that Detroit Free Press case, but it's also in several other Michigan Supreme Court cases and, of course, U.S. Supreme Court cases, including the one that's been cited by these Michigan Supreme Court cases. The U.S. Supreme Court case, for those of you that are interested, is In Ray Oliver, and it's been around since 1948 and still on the books. So that's something that, of course, would apply all over the country. Um, so again, you have access to these three PDFs that we're talking about today that I have open in this um, in this window. Uh, those are the links to those PDFs are in the description of this video. Um, so prior restraints on publication, sharing information, right? So prior restraints, an order, a gag order like this that prohibits me from sharing the DVDs of the hearings in my case with the public. Those are the most serious and least tolerable infringement on First Amendment rights. <clears throat> and because of that, anyone seeking to justify a prior restraint must overcome a heavy presumption of unconstitutionality. That is the wording of the, <clears throat> excuse me, that Midland, um, Michigan, um, case uh, from 1985 from the Michigan Supreme Court, but they were citing the U.S. Supreme Court case from 1931 and a Supreme Court case from 1976. So again, all over the U.S., this holds true, right? That when you have a gag judge who's trying somebody ahead of time from sharing information about a court proceeding that needs to be open to the public. That gag order, that that prior judicial restraint is um, it's presumed, heavily presumed to be completely unconstitutional. And it's the most serious and least tolerable infringement on our rights that are guaranteed and protected by the First Amendment. Uh, with respect, this is a quote again, this quote being from the um, uh, from that Michigan Supreme Court case, but they are referencing a U.S. Supreme Court case from 1985. With respect to judicial proceedings in particular, so court hearings, the function of the press, the media, serves to guarantee the fairness of trials and to bring to beneficial effects of public scrutiny upon the administration of justice. That's what I've been saying. We need the public 
to be able to see, have their eye on all that's happening in cases in order for the, the people doing their jobs, the attorneys, the bailiffs, the judges, the court clerks, whomever, everyone doing their job, if they know the public eye is on them and can see what they're doing, they're more likely to follow the rules, right? They're more likely to do what they're supposed to do. Otherwise, they're going to be held to account. So that's what the court case is getting to here. Um, thus, the press, as a segment of, a of the public, acts to assist the whole public in guaranteeing the openness and integrity of the trial process. But also, we cannot forget that a trial court, a trial court, not just the trial, but everything happening in the trial court is a public event. What transpires in the courtroom is public property. Public property. This is a court case, a Supreme Court case. There is no special, uh, say this word, anyway, uh, the, ju the judiciary has no special ability to control it um, as and that's distinguished from other institutions of democratic government that can suppress, edit, or censor events which transpire in proceedings before it. But here, the court cannot do that. That's what this Supreme Court case is saying. Now, just like other states, we talked about Michigan has a law that's been on the books, this one since 1846, and many Supreme Court cases have referenced the fact that this law has been on the books since 1846, but this law predates at least two of the Michigan constitutions, and that every judge by now definitely needs to know that you have to follow this law. But this law uh, in Michigan, it's MCL 600.1420, and it mandates that all sittings, is the wording that they use in the statute because it's from 1846, all sittings of every court within this state shall be public except that a court may, for good cause shown, exclude people for one of extremely limited exceptions. Okay, so uh, the exceptions are stated as this. Witnesses in the case when they are not testifying and may uh, in actions involving scandal or immorality. Uh, sorry, I'm blurring two of them. Witnesses, but that's just in terms of sequestering witnesses to make sure that when you have one, one witness come on and giving their version of what happened, when they give their testimony, that you don't have the other, the next witnesses sitting in the courtroom hearing that so they can say, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to say it just like he said it. So you can sequester witnesses for that purpose, right? That makes sense, but that's not keeping the public out. Um, that's why the witnesses are sequestered, meaning the witnesses are not to talk to each other, but they're not to talk to the public either. Um, and then the law continues by saying you can also um, seclude minors from a courtroom where um, there it's a case involving scandal or immorality. Um, wording of the 1800s, basically talking about cases like CSC, which is uh, in Michigan terms for criminal sexual conduct. So if it's a rape case then you can keep um, minor children out of the courtroom because it's not the kind of thing that they should be having to talk about or hear about, right? Um, but unless there's into that exception, you can't even keep minors out of the courtroom if they're a party to the case or a witness to the case. Well, I have a right to be there somehow involved in the case, right? 
Um, and then the, the last exception, this section, this, this statute, does not apply to cases involving national security. Well, obviously, if we had to sequester any witnesses in any trial for me or, or evidentiary hearing for me, fine, but I don't think anybody was arguing that any witnesses needed to be sequestered. Um, but um, that does not, you know, it doesn't justify excluding the public, like we mentioned. And in my particular case, um, it was not any, there were no CSC allegations, um, although the deputies physically assaulted me. There's no rape allegations or anything like that. So there's not a need to exclude minor children from the courtroom, <clears throat> which means they can be there. Um, and uh, it definitely wasn't a case of national security excuse to say this law doesn't apply because of that. Now, this is kind of funny, but so you, you have said these arguments and I don't think I remember the prosecutor responding to them specifically. So since you brought those arguments up and the prosecutor didn't argue back, no, 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 she can't share this. Wouldn't that in itself default it to your side or am I going into a bigger topic? Do, am I making sense? <laughs> Generally speaking, so Lori's saying, hey, if one side brings a request and has a bunch of reasons, you know, legal support for that request and asks the court to do something, to rule one way or the other, to make an order for something, and the other side, in this case, the prosecutor, <clears throat> asks the other side, um, <coughs> excuse me, where the other side does not come forth and say, oh, no, that's wrong, and gives their reasons why their legal support for saying nope that's not correct or no the court shouldn't do that if um if that objection is not really made and that request just stands and the other side's like eh, then the court in general is supposed to essentially default that request unless there is a legal reason not to because again, the parties, the people involved are the ones with rights. So uh, there has to be some sort of legal reason for a court to deny a request of the people, of a person, of a party to a case. So if the request, if somebody's making a request to keep the public out of a hearing, okay, well then there's legal reasons why a judge should say, no, we gotta keep this open. Um, or something like that, but especially where the party is requesting openness so the public can benefit from that, the, the court can't just say, well, I don't want that done, or this is my courtroom, or I have the right to control how things happen in here. None of those are legal reasons why they shouldn't have to default to approving of the request when the other side didn't make any legal objections. And that's what happened in this case. I'd have to double check at the prosecutor's response. That's a good point though, Lori. So <clears throat> remind me off camera to do that, to go back into that and see what they did respond in their huge 17 pages of response to all of my motions total. Um, but <clears throat> anyway, uh, I wanna point out too, that in my case, the judge um, at least in one of the orders, circled or highlighted, whichever it was, I don't remember, underlined something, the part of the order, this gag order that says, if I did share 
any of the information, any of the video pieces with any other human being, I was going to be held um, to answer for contempt of court. So essentially he could try to throw me in jail for a contempt of court charge for sharing this video. So, uh, yeah. Now let's look at the Black's Law Dictionary, okay? Because this is just, this, I threw it in just for common sense, right? A public proceeding is one, this is a quote from Black's Law Dictionary that is widely accepted uh, when needing to just look up what words mean, right? It's one that anyone may attend or observe as simple as that a public proceeding is one that anyone may attend or observe so what did i do in my case i asked the court for two things one to clarify that i have the right to share with the public any transcripts and or video of these court proceedings of all the court proceedings and for well any such other relief as the court deems just and equitable that's the catch-all phrase i guess if you want to call it that so that's what i asked um, specifically, when you file a motion like this, you're supposed to uh, file a proposed order, what, what the judge could simply sign if he were to grant your motion. And the proposed order is also included in here, and you can use this in your own situations or, you know, your own cases or whatever. Um, so the proposed order, this is what he would sign uh, if he, you know, were to realize what I was saying was true defendant has filed requests for transcripts and records of each of the court proceedings held in this case the prior orders approving her to receive these copies indicate she shall not copy release publish or post any part of these proceeding records to anyone else defendant filed a motion for declaratory relief and supporting brief on may 26 2022 seeking clarification of her right to publish and share these records the people filed no response to this request so there you go Lori. i must have already looked that part up <laughs> the motion was scheduled to be heard on june 2nd for july 7th 2022 but has not been decided to date thus on defendant's current ex parte motion the court grants defendant's request. It is further ordered that defendant may share with the public or anyone else any transcripts and or video of any of the court proceedings in this case. It's pretty simple. I, I get to share the videos. That's all I'm asking. That's literally all I'm asking. Now, let, um, let's pretend, let's pretend the judge only statement because, yeah. So he, let's say he denies this, then um, doing this ex parte, can you appeal an ex parte to the circuit and then appeals and up the ladder, so to speak? Yes, you can appeal any decision of a court, but I have to clarify with the court in my current appeal to this. So this issue is already in an appeal to the circuit court because he had already precluded me from sharing. So this issue, this issue is already raised. I've just brought it back in front of the judge again, but he has made this order repeatedly um, on these gag orders repeatedly so that I cannot share this information. So yes, this issue um, has already been appealed and I just need to clarify that part of the appeal with the um, 
the circuit court and then when they deny it because they don't like to follow the constitution or the law in the circuit court in Allegan County, then I will be appealing it to the uh, Michigan Court of Appeals and to the Supreme Court if needed. So or do you think there's any other questions that we need to address? Um, well, we had that one from a while ago. We kind of veered off. Um, but earlier on, we had this question from Patty, and I thought, is there such a thing as law protocol? And I wasn't, I don't know if she's still listening. I wasn't exactly sure what she meant. Maybe you do. Actually, no, I don't. Patty, um, if you're still watching on Facebook, uh, if you could explain, uh, you know, do another comment here, explain what it is that you meant by law protocol. Uh, perhaps, you know, I'd be able to answer that for you. I'd, I'd love to answer that for you. I'm just not sure what you mean by that. So I'm not sure how to answer that. In the meantime, um, for those of you still watching live right now, uh, if any of you have uh, comments or questions, I guess I should ask Lori, are you watching to see if there's any questions uh, being posted on yeah, Rumble? I, I, yep, I am. And I didn't see any there and I haven't seen any new questions okay. pertaining to our conversation. So, so I'm going to close out here. Uh, we'll keep our eyes open to see if anybody pops up with, you know, any clarification on a prior question or new questions on any of these social media uh, platforms that we're live streaming to. But in other words, it's inherently unconstitutional to have a, a gag order that's attempting to stop you from sharing video or what have you of a court hearing, whatever happens in a court hearing is supposed to be public and remain public. Obviously people can't all just tune in or attend at that very exact moment. No, you're going to talk about it. You're going to reference it. And in, in, in this day and age where we have video, I mean, they're claiming supposedly, I guess, that it's a constitutional way to conduct these as open to the public, these hearings by doing them on Zoom and YouTube and all that. Okay, well then, if you're doing them on your social media platforms uh, and then promptly removing them, uh, the videos from those hearings then can turn around and be shared elsewhere on the internet and made available for the public to see. And there's no reason why it couldn't or shouldn't. That makes no sense whatsoever. The proceedings of a court are presumed to be and required to be public the rulings, the discussions, the how they came to those decisions. Um, I mean, I grew up with that um, notion generally because think about the O.J. Simpson trial. Any of you who are remotely my age uh, grew up thinking uh, about that on TV for, I don't even know, it felt like an eternity. It felt like whatever year it was, I want to say sixth grade or something. You know, you started by watching, you know, we were watching live as OJ was driving across the interstate in his white Bronco. And then, you know, it rolled into uh, the, um, you know, the, well, if, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit and all that other fun stuff, right? We were seeing the testimony unfolding. We were seeing it happening on TV. And that was back, you know, before internet was like a thing back when my computer, if I had one was Windows 3.1 or Windows 95. Uh, so at any rate, I mean, this is something that, you know, we should be used to seeing, think about the Johnny Depp trial. Think about any of those trials. They should be the only reason why a court should ever put restrictions upon the press 
is if you have a bunch of people that are in the press, photographers or, you know, that are doing still uh, pictures versus, you know, video or whatever, and they're trying to set up or do their recording in some way that is distracting to the court proceeding or some in some other way it disrupts the court proceeding from happening as it should. That's the only way a judge should ever be able to say, hey, no, you got to get out of here. Right. But if you have a member of the press that gets there before the hearing starts or the trial starts and they set up their tripod and they have their camera rolling and they're quiet and they're being respectful and they're in no way in things, the judge has no right to preclude that. I I will say that, you know, I, I agree um, uh, the three exceptions in this Michigan statute which I think are widely the kinds of exceptions that are tolerable across the country. You know, if you have to sequester witnesses to make sure that from one witness to the other, that they are telling the truth, that's still meaning the hearing is open to the public, just not those witnesses. And usually until their testimony is completely done, right? Um, you can exclude minors, but only if it's a case of, you know, immorality or, you know, of scandal, such as a, a rape case where, um, you know, you could exclude a minor, but you still can't even exclude them if they're a witness or uh, a party to the case. And then, of course, national security. Well, yeah, if we're if we have a court case about something um you know, there's an argument over a warrant and it's relating to um, a, an, a, an issue of national security. Well, yeah, we're not saying make that open to the public so that the foreign enemy can go ahead and, you know, get the inside scoop. sense, Right. So we understand that those are very rare and specific exceptions. Um, but again, uh, we're talking about the only time the public is actually allowed to be excluded is actually that third one talking about national security cases the other two are talking about excluding specific individuals and only in certain circumstances so uh what did i say what r word did i say i'm not I sure I, w I was reading it too i wasn't sure what he meant we're public you can't What on earth is that? What you is that? What you mean to liberty cause? I, I don't know what word I would have said. Our case? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, if you want to shoot I'll us over a for text, clarity, yeah, yeah. Well, shoot us over <laughs> a text where you're spelling it out. Um, I don't have any clue there. Um, so now I'm curious and I want to know right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't see a text from you, Liberty Cause. I'm looking at my text messages. Oh, right oh the short, the four letter word that you were talking about, what, which is one of those preclusions. APE. RAPE. Oh. Well, then they're stupid and I don't give it. a shit. I don't give a shit. If they're going to take me off because I'm using words of things that happen, then tough shit. I don't know. That YouTube, you're stupid. So, anyway, I guess I'm going to get get it off my I, thing. I haven't looked into it and and I'm not sure if if YouTube's included, but I do know I heard 
heard without looking into it that one of the AG state AGs is going after at least Facebook for censorship. So we'll see. Oh, I didn't hear that about goes. that. Too, frankly. Yes. Yeah. Which that would trickle into potentially YouTube as well then. Well, depending on what of, it's about. I haven't dug into it at all. Lots of issues we've we've kind of touched on today. The main thing is um, the app, the, the the openness to the public concept of court proceedings and uh, what a judge is allowed to do and not do in terms of issuing those gag orders. So hopefully you guys have all been able to hear that much, if not see it. Um, I know some of our... Um, you know, uh, syncing up hasn't quite gone as well as I've wanted it to. Um, and don't forget, if you're live right now or you are um, seeing it, you know, later on a replay or on a different social media channel uh, than what we're streaming on right now, um, I'd ask that you go ahead and um, shoot us a, a message, an email, a text or whatever, or even a comment on here. Hopefully we'll be able to go back and catch all the comments later. Um, what you think about the, the new camera, the new camera angle and the lighting. Um, I'm still not thinking it's that great, but um, I guess nothing can replace my Hudsonville beautiful solid oak office and uh, the big bay window that I had in that room. But then again, it's not struggling to keep it at at least 65 degrees in the winter. And, um, you know, knowing that I'm looking outside, seeing a big pile of snow nine months of the year. So sorry, guys, I'll take the beach any day over the nice backdrop uh, and wonderful lighting. So isn't that ironic, though? I'm in the sunshine state and I'm having issues with figuring out how to do good lighting on videos. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and we've tried just having the curtain open here uh, as my desk is right out a window, but that makes me look like I'm more blue than human. And I love the Smurfs, but anyway. Um, so let us know what your thoughts are uh, so we can make sure to constantly make improvements. And please, everyone, there is a post that we've sent out. We've also sent it out in the newsletter. Sign up for that if you haven't already. You could do so on our website, Restore Freedom. Uh, please make sure to fill out the survey. It's not a Google survey for those of you who truly hate Google so much that you won't even do a survey. Uh, but please fill out the survey, the non-Google survey, on our Restore Freedom Weekly episodes. I want to hear from you which platforms that you would be uh, able to or interested in streaming this live if we were to switch up which platforms we were streaming. And I want to know which times you think would work best for you. Um, I want to say I did not put in certain days or times because I need to reserve time for my family. I know a lot of people would prefer, you know, evenings or sometimes on weekends, but um, I got to raise uh, my kids and spend time with my husband and finish remodeling projects and write briefs. And I got to balance that and have um, some kind of a life. Uh, we still have yet to take in a vacation since 2019. So uh, please understand uh, if I'm not able to hit those prime time slots for doing these kind of episodes. But I do want to hear from you. Look at the choices that are available. Let us know your thoughts, um, any and all that you would prefer that you'd watch it at. Um, please make sure to select those. Um, if you want to join in on any of the, um, you know, amicus briefs or help fund any of those particular pieces of constitutional advocacy, uh, there are specific links to do that that have been in the newsletters as well as on the website. So please take a look at it for that reason. Uh, and keep in mind, we are constantly working on uh, getting the new website fully up 
up and half functioning from what will be on there, maybe a third, but there's still a lot already there. Again, remember to hit that like for this particular and uh, share our website with people as well as uh, cross-platform sharing. Let people know on, on Facebook about our Telegram channel or on um, uh, Twitter about our Truth Social. Uh, make sure that you are spreading the word out there so that we can make sure <clears throat> to keep doing our work to truly reach out there and educate people on the Constitution and the law so together we can work to hold these government officials accountable and uh, eliminate, quite frankly, 90% uh, of these unconstitutional government agencies and offices that exist in the first place. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I don't see any additional questions that have posted. I don't see Lori jumping up and down with any questions unless she's frozen. Um, no. But uh, again, thank you for all of your support. Uh, please make sure to um, to uh, um, join us again uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where we will share a Wednesday way to get involved challenge, a Thursday constitution segment recap of the things we talked about today, Friday's freedom fighting tools, Saturday's restore freedom goodie of the week, and of course, Sunday's biblical insight to this very important topic. And of course, next Tuesday, join us at noon. We will continue to run the poll and won't change the timing or platforms until we get some more results. So please join us next Tuesday at noon live on uh, YouTube, Facebook and Rumble. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day.